So our word for 2022 is now faith. And so we are talking about faith the last five weeks um, and what God wants to stir in us and what faith looks like. And I want to end it today with a message called daring faith. Not like you're daring it, but that you have it, that you have daring faith. Faith. Now, we have had a scripture that we have looked at uh, the last uh, four weeks, five weeks, and so it is Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says this, now faith, right? That's where we get that from, that now faith. We need now faith. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It is faith that brings what we want into reality, not as a wish list, not as a genie, but believing in faith through God's purpose in our life. It brings it into reality. It is the foundation of everything that we do, and it is every aspect of evidence required to prove who God is. So we've had a working uh, definition for faith um, these last few weeks, and the working definition of faith is simply this, trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove, you, something you can't prove. And, you know, you can't prove that the wind exists by, by merely seeing it, but you can see by the evidence. Faith is the, the same way. I can't, I can't touch God. I can't feel, or I can't see God. Uh, most of the time we don't hear as an audible voice, but, but man, I, can, I know that I know that I know my, that, that, that God is who he is. You can't tell me otherwise that he doesn't exist and he is not real because of what he has done in my life. Oswald Chambers said this. If you've never heard of Oswald Chambers, great, great uh, man of God. He said this. Our danger as Christians, as the church, is to water down God's word to suit ourselves. God never fits his word to suit me. He fits me to suit his word. What, what great, powerful, uh, life-shaping words that, that God, you know, isn't, he, he doesn't really care about our creature comfort. He is not in it that, that I should open up the Bible and go, well, God, I really don't like that scripture, so if we could just kind of take this out and uh, we'll reform, like, you know, I'm going to have the Bible of Scott. And, uh, and I just want it shaped the way that I want it to look. You know, this, this, this whole, you know, don't get angry thing. Yeah, you know, we don't really like that. We're going to just cut that out. You know, or, or you know, I, I don't know, God, this, I kind of like being arrogant and prideful at times. So, you know, the part where it says don't be prideful, I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to take that one out. God says, no, 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 I, I, didn't, I didn't form this word so that you can go and change it however you want. I formed you to look more like my image. And so he fits me to suit his word. That is the ever changing aspect of sanctification. Just a big word for growth. That sanctification means that, that as I choose to say yes to Jesus, he is going to mold me and shape me into his image and to live like him. And so there are going to be things that I need to cut out. There are things that I'm going to need to quit doing. There are things that I'm going to need to start doing. And so we start to form and shape into the image of his word and what he wants for us. So let me tell you a story. Story time. I wish, it, it, I wish that it, it turned out, um, this story actually, uh, I, ugh. Um, but it, 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 it suits the point of daring faith. So when me and Stephanie were teenagers, we were probably 15-ish, 16-ish maybe, uh, we, every year our church went on a camping trip. 
And so we were on this big, you know, camping trip over the weekend. We shut church down on Sunday, and we went uh, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and came, came home Sunday afternoon. And so we went to this lake. A bunch of the people in the church had uh, boats and a couple of wave runners. And so we'd be out and about. They'd shuttle us from, the, uh, from our group campsite. And there was this place on the lake that had a, a cliff that you could jump off of. Well, it actually had two cliffs that you could jump off of. And the first one was like 25, 30 feet. Not too bad. And it was a nice sheer drop. I mean, if you, could, if you had any, you know, athleticism in you at all. Like, um, and, and so it was pretty easy. You'd climb up, you know, just a straight path up to it, and you just one, two, three, jump. So we do that a couple of times. And my youth pastor, who was a nut, um, just an absolute nut, uh, a nut. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, and, and so he, he sees this. He'd grown up around this area, and so he knew this lake. And he goes, oh, there's, a, there's another cliff. So he goes over there, and, and I was his, like, little sidekick, okay? I was his little tag-along. Um, everybody called me pastor's pet and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was literally just his little shadow, and just I learned so much from him spiritually and as a person, but I was his little shadow. And so, I mean, if he would have told me that we're going to go bungee jumping from a, a helicopter, I probably would have followed him, even though I thought that was the worst idea ever. And so I follow him up to this cliff, and, and he just gets up there, and he just, Jumps off, no problem, right? So everybody else starts coming over. Now, now Stephanie comes over. Now, mind you, I'm you know 15, 16. She's really cute. Can't look dumb in front of the girl, right? I mean, let's come on. Hey guys, y'all don't have to lie to kick it. We know how this works. You cannot like. There's no backing down. This one's more like 50 feet up in the air, and it's not a straight drop. It's it's jaggedy. So I mean, you really got to get a a nice jump, right? What's the one thing you don't do in heights? Don't look down. Worst decision I ever made was I walked up to the edge, and I did this. Oh, God. <laughs> well. <sighs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm contemplating life's choices right there. Right? Because you, if, if you know me, I don't do heights. Like, heights, are, me and heights, no. Like, we, they're not my friend. So I should have just, I should have just got up there one, two, three, and just, hey, I hope nobody's underneath me. I hope there's not a boat there. I hope, like, let's just, just roll. Like, if I die, I die. I'm going to see you, Jesus. Like, but instead, I went over and I looked over the edge and I said, this is the stupidest thing I've done up until now. <sighs> and then I look over and I see my future wife walking up and I'm like, oh God, now I can't walk down. Because you can't take the walk of shame in front of the girl you think is cute. You've lost all hope right then and there. She's going to be like, I don't date losers. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, no. Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Somebody else would get up and they just jump off. And I'm like, why does it look so easy? Why does it look so easy? Now, my, listen, my wife, she also did the same thing. She kind of went over there and was like, oh, it's like, hi, I'm not the only one. Good. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll just. And at one point, I thought, cool, we're going to take the walk of shame together. I could do that. I'm helping her down. Chivalrous. I'm a man. Right? I'm like, yeah, I got this. We've got our way out. We sat up there for like 10 minutes. I kid you not. My pastor's like, did they lose themselves up there? Like, did they go off for a walk? What's going on? And all of a sudden, I look over thinking, okay, now it's, you know, now's a good time to, hey, you just want to walk down? And I see her little happy butt just go, 
what are you doing? You just messed up my whole plan to walk you down. You just jumped off, you crazy nut. So she jumps, and now I'm going, okay, now what do I do? Because now I can't walk down by myself, right? I, I, I've got to figure this out. So I take a deep breath, compose myself, and I just go, I guess this is it. And I run towards the edge of that cliff. Now, at least you know the ending. I live. Because I'm here today. But, listen, you want to know the, what's the, none of y'all probably know the second worst saying about heights, okay? The second worst thing about heights is when you are in the middle of it, if you hear this, <gasps> that is never good, ever. I leap, I go, and I get about five, what felt like eternity, but probably only like five feet down from the top, and I hear, <gasps> and then splash, and I'm like, I don't know what that was, but I hit water, so I'm good. I, my little head pops up. And they're like, and I'm like, what in the world just happened? They're like, you have no clue how close you uh, were to the edge of one of those jagged edges. I'm like, we're not going back up there. <laughs> I say all that to say this is that there are times in our life where, where we trust in things that make no sense. Skydiving. Why would I jump out of a perfectly good plane? I just, it makes no sense. Bungee jumping, if my back needs to be adjusted, I'm going to the chiropractor. There are things that in my mind just do not make sense. Jumping off of cliffs have, has become one of them. Now, listen, mind you, two years later, I was doing the same thing in the Bahamas. But the Bahamas, I could see the bottom, one. Two, the cliff went like this and then went back. So there was no way I was hitting anything, okay? I assess things now better. But it takes a, a, a daring faith to do the crazy. It takes daring faith to do the things that everybody else looks at and goes, why would you do that? I always tell people this. As long as I'm on uh, two legs, four, uh, four wheels or two wheels, I'm good. I can listen all day long. I, I, I know that I drive fast. I know that, that you know, listen, sometimes if, if, if I can handle a car, that's all I'm saying. And so sometimes you get in the car with me, you may think, oh, good Lord, I'm in it. Like, my life is in, I know everything I'm doing. My, my old friend uh, uh, in Washington, Pastor Eddie, he would come down every year for a summer camp, and we'd drive, and man, and, and in Northern California, some of these mountain roads, they're just switchbacks, back, 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 back and forth. And I know them, so I'm just, I'm just, cru I'm just cruising. I'm not, I'm not even thinking it. We'd get there, and he'd be like, man, drove kind of fast through there. And I'm like, did I? I'm like, I think you're good. You're still alive. That's my wife's favorite line when she's driving because I'll try to take a nap every now and then in cars. And anybody ever drive by Braille? Oh, see, nobody wants to admit that they're that kind of driver, huh? You know what I mean, where you hit the, the side of the uh, street and you yeah, that's how my wife drives sometimes. We are driving in Oregon one time. We are driving up to, to a camp in Washington. And, and I'm trying to sleep because I just preached and all that stuff on Sunday morning. I'm sitting there. <laughs> Right, and all of a sudden, in these mountainous areas of Northern California and Oregon, I hear, and I'm, she goes, "What?" I said, "Well, you, what are you doing? Why are you driving off the road?" And she goes, "You're fine. Are you dead? Did you die? Listen here, lady. 
But it takes daring. It, it, it takes an aspect of daring faith to do. Listen, when you, it, how many have ever jumped out of a plane here? Anybody been, okay, you've been crazy enough. You probably did it in the military though. So uh, see, most of you are normal, sane people. Okay, bravo, you've made it this far because you haven't made dumb choices. Okay, and that's, but every now and then, you have to get out of the comfortable and do the daring to live the life that you have been intended. And spiritually, it is no different. We can live mundane lives every day and miss what God has for us. If I would have turned around and walked down that, I, I, I think it could have shaped the whole course of my life differently. My wife would have looked at me as a loser, never married me. <laughs> Listen, all right, the dramatic feel. But... It takes, it takes a, because listen, in the, in the moment, the moment my feet left that cliff, man, it was exhilarating. It's like I could fly, except I was going down. But it felt like I could fly because, I mean, I just let go of everything. I put all trust in the fact that, that science and, and, and everything we've ever learned is going to work and that I'm going I'm to land in the right spot. Daring faith. I want us to be the type of people spiritually that look at that cliff and say, I can make it. I can jump there. Because listen here, this is precisely the enemy's plan, is for us to believe ourselves to be less so that we will deny ourselves access to heaven's resources and live our life short-changed. That's the enemy's plan. To make us feel like we aren't good enough. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody else that has daring faith, yeah, they're going to survive. They're going to make it, man. They're going to do great things. But you, nah, you can't do it. You weren't built that way. You don't have the mental, spiritual toughness to do it. This is the enemy's plan to make you feel like you were less than so that you will not access heaven's resources for your lives. The Bible says that we live under an open heaven where, with a good God that wants to give us all that we need, not just to survive. I think so many times, we, I just want to survive. I just want to get through. Don't, don't, don't you want to enjoy while you're here? Don't, don't, you want to, don't you want to make the most of this time on earth? Don't you want to make an impact? I, I, I sometimes think that as pastors, we say big, bold things like, don't you want to change the world? And you're like, yeah. How, how do I do that in Camden? Right? I mean, like, how do I change, how do I literally change the world in Camden? Let me, let me give you a couple of ways that we've already done that and you probably didn't even know. Today, as we preach, ARC, which is the organization that we're attached to, Association of Related Churches, we were at ARC launch 835 three years ago. Today, they're launching Church 1000, and on. I think there's like 15 churches that are launching today. Now you may go, well, what does that have to do with us? Anybody who gives tithes to this church has, in essence, also built every church after us that has launched through ARC. We give $400 a month, okay? $400 a month goes to ARC to help. And listen, this isn't like, oh, they've got a gigantic team that has to get paid and like $100 goes to the next church. No, no, no. All $400 that we give every month to ARC goes to the more churches to build life-giving churches in their community. So launch 836, 
we helped launch. 837, we helped launch. 905, 950, 965, church 1000, we helped launch. And until we no longer exist, we will continue help launching churches all throughout America because we financially pour into that organization because you financially pour into us. That's amazing. In three years, you have helped launch 165 churches all throughout the United States. That is exciting. If you don't think that that is is changing the world, I don't know what else is. We have given money uh, uh, to uh, Huvanet, Caleb and Alyssa Mooney, who literally are life-changing in 13 countries in Latin America. 13 countries in Latin America, over 600 youth groups, uh, multiple churches, multiple communities, uh, feeding, during COVID, feeding families, keeping churches doors open, literally paying for church doors in, in Latin America to be open, all because we have helped financially give through Juvenet. You are changing lives every single time the church does something. Now, individually, we change lives, and this is one of the greatest definitions that I've ever found of changing the world. You may never be able to go to Africa. You may never be able to go to uh, Latin America, or you may never want to. That's fine. You may never want to go outside of Arkansas. I don't care. But if you can change, every time you interact with somebody, if you can change the two to three feet of your bubble, you're changing the world. So we, we, we can look at it, this like massive global thing, like, oh, how am I changing the world? I live in Camden, and, and, and I'll never go to this place, and I'll, ne- nobody, I'll never have this opportunity. Listen, if every time you get in front of somebody, you change their world, you change the world. How do you know that, the, that, that one person that you speak life into, and maybe you sit down and have lunch with, and you share how God has changed your life, that it doesn't radically change their life, that they don't go on to become an evangelist, or maybe they do music, and they become a Christian artist, or maybe they become they come to church, and they're like, wow, if he can launch a church, I can launch a church, and so I'm going to go launch a church, and they go launch a church, and they change a community. The whole story of Billy Graham is based off of the simple fact that that's one person spoke into his life, Could you imagine if that one person didn't speak into Billy Graham's life? I mean, literally, millions of people would not have heard the gospel the way they did. Millions. But can we name that person? Like, think about that. Anybody know the the name of the person that that introduced the gospel to Billy Graham? Nobody. I, I mean, I'm sure I could Google it, and it would tell me. But that's the thing is that it's not about the limelight. It's not about it because there is no Billy Graham if there is no person that introduced the gospel and lived out Jesus in front of him. And so I got, I got just a few thoughts on daring faith this morning that I want to share with you. And, and, and the first one is very simple. It's daring faith's goal is to live like Jesus. Man, I, I don't care if anybody ever mimics me, imitates me, looks like me. Probably a good thing if you don't. I don't know. But here's what my goal is. I don't care if at the end of my life you know me. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know Jesus. 1 John 2, 5 through 6 says this, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Now, I love this last line. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. You want to know what it means to be a Christian? It's super simple. How did Jesus live? Right? How did Jesus live? And, and if you follow that pattern, you're going to live an amazing life. How do you show that, that, you, that you love God? 
You show that you love God by obeying his word. That's what the scripture just said. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And that last line, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. When your goal is to live like Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives you the courage to preach the gospel to your family. The courage to pray for sick people and see them healed. And minister to brokenhearted and see their joy restored. See, the reality is it has nothing to do with us. We don't have the power in us to change lives. That's Jesus in us. And when I, when I attach myself to the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, live in me, live through me, then all of a sudden I get the same power and courage that Jesus had and I can live it out. And I can see the lost get found and I can see the sick get healed and I can see the broken found joy and, and restored. I want, I want to challenge you. This is something that God challenged me when I was 21 years old. He said, go back and read the Gospels. Okay, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go back and read the Gospels, the first four books of uh, the New Testament. And then, you know, after that, jump to Acts just to see what the new church looked like. But the reason why I go back and ch- I challenge you and I, go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read the Gospels, is to specifically look at how Jesus lived. To specifically read it and say, what did Je- how did Jesus model his life? And it was eye-opening when I did that at 21 years old. I was a full-time youth pastor in Stockton, California. And I started reading the Gospels. And man, Jesus came alive to me like never before. Because instead of focusing on all the negative things and all the bad things in the world, and, and oh man, I just I need to help people stop sinning. What I found was this, is that Jesus pointed people to God. He pointed people to God's love. And when you point people to God's love and they, and they want that, then they're naturally going to run away from sin. Right? Because you can't split yourself in half and go two different ways. Like if I, if I put, you know, chocolate ice cream over here and cookies and cream ice cream over here. Now, some of you are going, that's an easy, that's an easy choice. But maybe, maybe you like, oh, man, I just want both of them. You know, <laughs> listen, right now, I'll take a tub of both. Okay, there's at least the bottom portion of some cookies and cream uh, bluebell ice cream in my freezer that is going to be attacked tonight. I'm telling y'all right now, like I may not even use a spoon. Um, I'm just going to caveman that that buddy. Okay, Um, (laughs) but, you know, you're like, which one do I want that you can't split it? You have to make a choice. And by making a choice to go after one, you naturally turn your back and walk away from the other. And so here's here's the problem. And this is what I preached early on in my my uh, pastoring. Oh, you, your sin is going to hold you back. You got to get rid of your sin. You got, and that, all of that is truth. But when you flip it and you say, you need to chase after the heart of God and you need to live for him and you need to love him like none other, you naturally already give up things. You naturally run away from sin. You naturally walk away from your old life. And so instead of focusing on the negative, which here's the thing, if you focus on the negative, guess what's going to happen most of the time? You're going to go back to the negative. When you focus on what you want, you will turn your back to the negative and you will run towards what you want. And it doesn't mean you don't have bad days. It doesn't mean you don't slip and make mistakes and go back. But you are focused on the driving force of what you want. Faith's goal is to live like Jesus. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ because it had nothing to do with him and everything to do with the Jesus that was in him. You want to change your world? You want to change your habits. You want to change how you live your life every day. You want to change your standards. Then stop trying to do it on your own and live like Jesus.
pick up the Bible and say, well, what does that mean? What does it look to live like Jesus? And when you start to study his, uh, his ways, you start to realize, man, there's a lot of things in me that don't look like Jesus. I'll, I'll just be very honest. Like, because we will naturally go, well, you know, I can, I can get angry. Says who? It's an emotion. You're allowed to get angry, yes, but what do you do with that anger? That's the important part. Matter of fact, Jesus actually speaks on that and says things like this. He says, he says, you know, don't get caught sinning in your anger. In other words, if you respond in a bad way because of your anger, then your anger is no good. But if you allow that anger to be transferred and used in a proper way, maybe it causes you to pray for them. Pray for them? Oh, I want to beat them. Natural response, right? I mean, let's, let's, we're human, right? We can all agree that when we get angry, our first response isn't, I want to love you, okay? But that's Jesus. Here's what Jesus constantly takes the cultural idea of what you should do and he flips it on his head. So he says, Hey, listen, when you're angry, well, the best thing you can do for your enemy is to pray for them because that's actually like heaping hot coals on their head. He says, Hey, listen, if somebody slaps you across the face, Turn the other cheek. What? If somebody takes your coat, give them another one. I think Jesus has lost his ever-loving mind. That's our natural response. But then when we realize that the end result isn't about whether or not they will like me or whether or not we will have a relationship, but whether or not I could point them to Jesus, man, that changes lives. So all of a sudden, I'm going out of my way to, to love you and to pray for you and to take care of you. And listen... If toxic people, it's okay to keep them at an arm's distance. It's okay to say, I can love you like Jesus without having to like you and have you in my life. Because if you're in my life too much, I'm going to end up socking you in your face. I think so many times we think like, well, I got to love them like Jesus. So they got to be close to me all the time. No, that's called temptation. And you are going to lose that battle. So if somebody rubs you the wrong way, love them from afar. And pray for them from afar. Do not put yourself in a position where you are going to sin because you're angry or you're upset or they misuse you or, or attack you. You don't have to be a doormat to love somebody. You can love them like Jesus. Pray for them. Pray for some. Listen, sometimes there are people that I know that will not hear the words out of my mouth. And so here's what my prayer is. God, I know that I can't be used, so use somebody. I pray that another Christian would rise up in their life, that they would, they would speak truth to them. Daring faith's goal is to live like Jesus. Daring faith also lives with a heavenly perspective. Man, this will change your life right here. Heavenly perspective. Colossians 3.1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Okay, so if you've chosen, if you said, Jesus, I choose to live for you. Then set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus, God tells us to, if we are, if we are in line with his word, if we love him, if we are choosing to live the life of Christianity, then we need to set our eyes on the realities of heaven. What does that even mean? It means that you believe in the supernatural. Ah, he's going to start talking about freaky stuff. No, but listen, how can we say that we are a church that follows Jesus if we don't believe in miracles? How can we be a church that says we follow Jesus if we don't believe in healing? How can we be a church that follows Jesus and not believe that he can restore the broken? How can we be a church that follows Jesus and not believe that there is the reality of heaven? 
that our prayers matter, that they count, that we have power because that's what the Bible says. And if we believe that, then, then when the Bible says that I've got the same power in me that Jesus had, then why don't I walk with the same confidence that Jesus had? I love, you know, we can twist uh, scripture all day long, but there is a reality where the Bible says that I am not the tail, I am the head. I, I, I don't belong at the, the, the I'm not the, 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 the lowest of the lows. I am a son or daughter of the most high king. And so I should walk, not with an arrogance, because I didn't choose that. He did that for me. But I walk with, an, with a pride of my father. Do you know who my dad is? He created this world. He, he breathed life into existence. He, he, he did all of this for us. So, so you can laugh at me. You can mock me. You can make fun of me. You can do all that you want to me. But here's what I know is that I walk not in the realities of, of this natural life. This will come and go. But I walk in the realities of heaven. And so when I believe that people are going to get set free from addiction, I'm not just speaking it like, you know, oh, if you just believe hard enough, it'll happen. No, I'm saying if you grab a hold of Jesus and you run with him, guess what? He's going to set you free of some things. He's going to heal your heart of some things. The things that you walked through maybe as a child that were so hard. Maybe your parents didn't love you the way they should have. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were, uh, that, that things happened to you in your life that you will never get, uh, forgive. You think you'll never forgive. But with Jesus, when I look at heavenly perspective, man, he wants to do more than that in you. What if we saw through God's eyes? How would it change how you speak, think, and live? What if we saw people the way that God sees people? You know, when we mock or make fun of or, or joke around and that little thought comes in the back of your head where God says, I created them. I mean, that, that'll mess you up. When everybody's laughing about somebody who did something stupid or whatever and God's like, I created them. I'm sorry. Because we all know that it's not fun to be the butt of the joke. We know that it's not fun to be the one made fun of. And, and, and so when we see things through God's eyes, like at the end of the day, if heaven is our goal, do we really want to just show up alone? Like why, 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 is, why is church growth so important? It has nothing to do with Freedom Church. I want this place packed three times over, four times over, five times over every Sunday. Why? Because I want a name for myself? No. If I wanted that, I'd move to a bigger city. I want that, and I pray for that, because I believe that every seat is a soul, and every soul needs to get to heaven. That, that's, that's, that's my whole driving force for everything that we do. I want to see people. I, I want this name. I want this seat to have a name. I want this seat to have a, I want the seat, I want, I want you guys to feel uncomfortable when you come in here. Oh, pastor, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I like my seat. Nobody sits next to me. You're at the wrong church because I'm going after people, but it's not about me. I want you to go after people, your friends and your families, your neighbors, the people you work with, the, the people that you haven't maybe talked to in forever, you teenagers, talking to, talking to people at, at, at school. Hey, you should come to church with me. Oh, that's going to make me so uncool. Yeah, whatever. Get over it. Because I've seen, I've seen revivals happen on school campuses because somebody said, I'm 
Popularity doesn't matter. I have seen the homecoming king and homecoming queen and over half of the court be all Christians because they stood on their values as a youth pastor, and I watched over half of my youth group was the, the homecoming king, the homecoming queen, and half the court. Because they didn't care about popularity, but yet God put them in a place where they were going to change the world. When we stop caring, God does a really amazing things. Now, I'm not saying, you know, love Jesus so that you can become popular. Most of the time, it doesn't work that way. But when we have a heavenly perspective, the things that happen around us don't matter as much. When we have a heavenly perspective and we shift our mindset to God, what, what is it that you want for me? Show me your will. Show me your way. Let me see through your eyes. One of the most dangerous prayers I ever learned to pray was taught by uh, my personal pastor, Pastor Michael Serrato. He's been here. He was here our opening uh, Sunday. He was here for our first birthday. He preached that Sunday. When I was 16 years old, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was talking to him about some stuff that was going on at school, and he said, do you ever pray, God, show me my classmates the way that you see them. It's like, no. So I started praying that way. God, show me my school the way that you see it. And I remember after praying for like a few weeks that way, I stepped on campus one, one day, and man, this overwhelming sense of pain and hurt hit me like a brick wall. I was like, oh. And God was like, this is what your campus feels every single day. People walking by you with a smile on their face, but death in their life, hurting and in pain. And they're waiting for somebody to be real, and they're waiting for somebody to be authentic and stop caring what everybody else thinks to show them who I am. And y'all, this translates as as adults as well, because we do the same thing. We just don't talk about it. We want to be liked. We want to fit in. We we don't want to be different. But God is saying different is what changes the world. And when we have a heavenly perspective, we don't care to be different. We don't care. Daring faith sees through a heavenly perspective. Daring faith also understands investment. Oh, here he goes again talking about money, like a good pastor does. But no, investment isn't just cash flow. Faith is the currency of heaven. So if you want to see heaven come down, guess what you got to have? Faith. (laughs) You got to have faith. You can't go to the bank of God and say, God, I want you to do something. And he goes, but you don't believe. How can I give you what you really don't believe for? Anybody ever had those prayers where you're praying for it and even in the back of your head, you're going, yeah, God's not going to do this. I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to say, yeah, okay, I've done that. Like you're praying and you're like, God, I really want you to heal this person. And in the back of your head, you're going, yeah, God's not going to do that. Well, that, that prayer is useless. Faith is the currency of heaven. The Bi- I-, I love the-, the man in the Bible when he runs up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. He's saying, I have faith. Man, I want to build more faith. I want stronger faith. I want faith that moves mountains. I want faith that does what you're doing. I want faith to do the unimaginable, impossible, not so that I can get glory, but so that you can have glory, so that your name can be known. Faith is the currency of heaven. Through faith, We can stand on his promises and know that God's bank cannot run dry. Giving doesn't operate out of abundance, but obedience and faith. Now, here's where I will talk about money. So many times we look at tithe and we go, I can't tithe this week because I don't have enough. 
But ever, do you ever think that once again in the, the opposite mindset of Jesus that you don't have enough because you're not willing to submit your finances to God and tithe? I've said this over and over again only because we live it out. I live better on 90% than I do 100%. Because when I trust God with my finances, he always makes a way. Now listen, it's not just about money though. Giving isn't just finances. It's your talent. It's your time. Oh, I can't do that. I don't want to be a part of a small group. That's another night of my week. But what if that small group, what if that life group is the one thing that actually absolutely changes your life, gives you friends that you, can, that you know are going to have your back, is that one thing that gives you that, that spiritual charge in the middle of the week that, that, that pumps you up and goes, I can take on tomorrow because I've been with my life group. What talent do you have that you're not sharing with us? Maybe you're a little baby whisperer. So most of you are going, nope, <laughs> not me. I'm not saying all of us. But some people, man, you got that baby whisper thing. You could just, you know, speak hush, and they're like. You know, they get that goofy look on their face. We need you to baby whisper our babies to sleep while you're in here. Maybe you're good with kids, and, 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 and you want to help out in the kids' minute. Maybe you're great at just smiling and shaking hands. Man, we need you at the front door. They want to see your smiling faces. Maybe you got a talent in music and you want to be on the worship team, or maybe you want to help out in, behind the scenes and never be seen. That's awesome too. We have media people and, and we have all sorts of other things that we can, that we want to put you in place and we serve our community. So maybe you want to just get out, maybe you're hands on. Man, we go every year, at least once a quarter, and we go serve our community and we do something to invest and show God's love. Giving doesn't operate out of abundance. Well, I've got enough time today, so I'll do it. No, no, no. Giving says, I've, even if I don't have the time, God is worth me rearranging my day. God is worth rearranging my finances to tithe so that I can be in line with his word. God is worth my time, my talent, and my treasure. 1 John 5, 34. Loving God means keeping his commandments. I think we all need to hear this again. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Amen. For every child of God defeats the evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Faith is unlocking the key to being able to keep his commandments. Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Here is a promise of God's word. He's saying, I'm going to take care of you. That should make you feel good. I'm going to take care of you. Now, here's what it didn't say. I'm going to buy you a Mercedes G-Wagon. Some of you are like, hey, where's that church at? <laughs> he didn't say that. But what did he say? He said, my God will take care of me, will supply all your, what? Your needs. Not all your wants. Now, here's how good God is. When we are faithful to him and we are in line with his word and we are a good steward of our life, our time, our talent, and treasure, sometimes God blesses us with, his, with our wants as well. That's how good God is. But he's going to take care of you. 
Daring faith understands investment. And so if we want to have the kind of faith that says, God, I want to see your miracles happen. I want to see this, I want to see this community change for your glory. I want to, I want to be a part of something real. Then we need to realign ourselves in the investment aspect of who Jesus is in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Realigning with his word. And lastly, daring faith is bold. Daring faith is my pastor on the cliff, not even caring if there was a boat underneath and just running and jumping. What, what I would call an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just had daring faith. He said, he said I know what's underneath there. I just saw it. I, just, I believe that nothing else has gone there. I'm, I'm going to jump. Some of us need to learn to jump spiritually. Can I tell you this? Boldness overcomes the fear of about popularity, about fitting in, being looked at, being different, and being made fun of. It's how I've been able to live my life as a follower when I have been called everything under the sun because of it. I remember being 16 years old. I didn't date in high school. I chose not to. Girls were drama. Amen? <laughs> Careful, you married people. Just tread lightly. Um, but but that's, that was my... Girls are drama. I don't want drama in my life. I love Jesus right now. And so, and so I didn't date. And, and you know what that got me? Is a lot of people going, so are you gay? If I'm not dating in general, why does that make me gay? Oh, you, you, it's because it's girls don't like you? I'm like, nope, there's plenty of girls that would probably like to date me. I was a cutie. Once I lost my little baby stomach and got my six-packs out, I oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, what's up? And then I went back to my baby stomach. <laughs> There's a whole story about that. That uh, Ste- Stephanie probably doesn't even know the whole story about how her and our, my friend Sarah made fun of me. And so the, I, went for, I, went, I went a whole year, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you a baby stomach. Came back the next summer with a six-pack out. I was like, what's up? Um, listen, I'm not, just, I'm not saying that I look like Jesus all the time. I was petty, too, okay? Boldness overcomes those things. I used to be the kid that would walk into school with my Bible in my hand, not in my backpack. Was it to be better than? No, it's just like, man, God stirred in me so much that I was like, you know what? This could cause, you know how many times just setting my Bible on my, on my uh, desk caused questions? Why do you carry that? Because I love Jesus. What does that mean? Or during English, we would have 15 minutes of silent reading. I have 15 minutes every day to do the devotion. I was like, this is awesome. And I remember, I remember somebody asking me, well, why, why, how come you can read that? I'm like, it's a book, isn't it? That's why I can read it. But I remember, well, yeah, but do you even understand it? Yeah, because I'm not reading the King James Version. <laughs> no offense to those that like the King James Version. Just was not for me. I don't speak these, thous, those, and its, okay? Um, I don't speak like I should be in Romeo and Juliet, so I can't read it. That's, that's why I like the Passion Translation or the Message Translation. I read out of the uh, NIV or the NLT. I really am not a hater of a lot of translations. I'll read the New King James Version. At least it took out the these and thous and those. But I, and, 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 and I would read, <laughs> I once got in trouble for having a Christian t-shirt on by my principal. He told me I had to turn it inside out. Anybody remember Stone Cold Steve Austin? Oh, come on, my wrestling. Yeah, some of you now are like afraid, like, I kind of watch wrestling. It's fake. I know, it's okay. Uh, But it was fun entertainment, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? He had that shirt that said, hell yeah. 
right? And so at the time, Christian clothing was not as it was today where it's actually hip and cool. It was always cheesy. It took something of the world and made it really corny. And so I had a shirt that said, uh, hell no, heaven yeah, (laughs) John 3.16, I wore this shirt, I mean, um, and I wore it to school, and and my principal walked into a class one day, and he goes, son, you have to turn that shirt inside out, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Says, hell no. I'm like, yeah, like, hell no. What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's having the daring faith to do, now, like, 90% of my closet is Christian clothing. I, I promise you, like, most of my t-shirts are actually cool, hip Christian clothing um, that don't try to be corny. Um, And so, but I remember, I could give you story after story of things where I just felt like I was following after God's heart, but it was daring at the time, and I didn't even realize it. I I was overseeing the Christian uh, club on my high school campus. I actually started it and and was overseeing it, and uh, I got this idea. Well, if everybody else can do posters around the school, why can't we? So we went to town, and we made 30-something posters hand-drawn, different Bible verses. You know, uh, uh, I had those questions like, if you died today, where would you go? (laughs) I don't advise those uh, type of things. And we then we went and we posted them all throughout our campus with our our Bible, uh, with our Christian club and when we met. Now, I love my older brother to death, um, but he was not a big fan that I did that because he had a rep as a cowboy. Um, which is funny to me, because uh, we didn't own a ranch or cows or cattle or horses. But he had his little he had his little boot stompers and he had his tight little wranglers and he thought he was a cowboy. Um, and and so one day he pulled me aside at at lunch and he literally this is my older brother right two years older than me grabs me at lunch throws me up against the dumpster and like is like you need to take those things down I'm like to heck I will um, like what are you gonna do sock me at school I'd love to have that phone call to mom. Um, <laughs> I'd be grinning all day long. Uh, But listen, it's those daring things in life. Boldness steps out of the creature comforts, out of what looks and feels good for everybody else and says, God, what do you want for me? Dr. Charles Stanley says this, obey God and leave the consequences to him. I love that. Obey God, leave the consequences to him. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same work I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Did y'all catch that? Jesus himself said, you're going to do as much as I did. Let's wrap our, our mind around that for a minute. Let's, let's, let's sit, that, sit there for a minute because that can sound all cute and like, ooh, I've got the same power that Jesus. No, 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 no. You got the same power as Jesus. So when you pray, it's the same power that Jesus tapped into. The same power that that Jesus healed the man at the well. The same power that healed the woman with the issue of blood. The same power that brought life to our death back to life. That same power lives in you. And he says, greater works. You'll do greater things. How many want greater things? I want greater things. I want to see God do some things in my time on this earth. So attempt greater things. Think about times when you avoided God's plan because of your own limitations. I can't do that, God. I'm not good enough. I can't speak well. 
It may be a time when you held back from sharing the gospel because you feared rejection or a time when you said no to discipling or mentoring somebody because you felt inadequate. But today, decide that you will step out boldly to do these things because it is God's power working within you that enables you to do them. I'm going to step out. If you want to see God do great things in and through your life, then you have to stop telling him what you can't do. Can I tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, Pastor, I would love to do that, but I can't. Why can't you? Oh, I'm not, I, I, don't give me a mic. Well, but it's not about you. Oh, I, I can't greet people. I'm not, I'm not good with words, and, and, and I really don't like people. <laughs> Thanks for being honest, but God can use that. Don't tell God what you can't do and limit him. Just tell God you're open and available. Watch him do stuff. Watch him use you in mighty ways when you stop telling him what you can't do and you start saying, God, what do you want from me? I want to read this as we end. This is, matter of fact, Sharice, you can go ahead and come up. And I want to read this. I've, I've, I've held on to this um, for a long time. It, is, it has helped me through many seasons in my life. So, the backstory is uh, this was written by a missionary in Zimbabwe a long, long time ago. You can look it up, Google it. It's called Fellowship of the Unashamed. He wrote this before he was martyred for his faith. I love it. And, and every time I, I need a little shot in the arm spiritually, this is one of the things that I go back to. So it reads this, Fellowship of the Unashamed. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I'm no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudities, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few, and my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the tables of my enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me for my banner will be clear. That's my heart. That's my goal. I, I, I don't care if I'm rich and famous. I don't care if I have a thousand friends. I can 
hundreds of likes on social media. I hope at the end of my life, somebody stands up and says, this defined him. That's what I want. But let me go a little step deeper. What do you want? Because my prayer is also, this is what I want for you. I want you to stand up and be like, yeah, that's me. I want that. I'm going to live that out. I'm going to work, walk that out. Here's, here's the deal. Maybe you, maybe you need to read this. I made some copies of this. Because <laughs> I want you to take this home. I want this to, be, I want this to sit at your, 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 your little table by your bed or in, in your mirror. So every morning when you wake up, you go, that's who I am. I'm not defined by this culture. I'm not defined by this world. I'm not defined by the things that I'm not or can't do. I'm not defined by the addiction that I once was. I'm not defined by the hurt of my past. I'm defined by Jesus and his purpose in my life. So it's time to ask God for a fresh anointing. If we're to do new things for the kingdom, we can't rely on what he's done in the past for us, but we have to ask for new. You bow your heads with me. I wonder if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I I need, I want to live daring faith. Everything that you've said right there today, that's who I want to be. That's that's my goal. And if that's you, I just want to pray for you right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. I I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Hands all over the place. So it's twofold. It's what, what do I need to get out of my way and what do I need to run towards? And so, God, I pray for those that are saying, I want to step out in daring faith. I want to be what that, that, that paper just said. I want to be a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. So, God, if there are things in my life that I need to let go of and get rid of, God, help me to let go of them. Help me not hold on to my life so tightly that I miss what you want to give me. Jesus, I pray against hurt feelings and emotions that have held us back from being able to to move on and be who we are. I, I pray against our past that has told us what we aren't instead of what we are. Pray against those that have held on to things that have hurt their lives, whether it be an addiction or 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 just an emotion or a hurt. Or maybe it's themselves. The Bible says that we should die to flesh so that we could live in Christ. And so, God, I pray that. I pray that we, we would die to, to, to the old ways. We would die to, to who we once were. And we would die to the things that have held us back. And we would live in you. And today, we set our eyes and focus on you to live like you, Jesus. To have your perspective, Jesus. To live boldly. And God, whether that's sitting down and just having conversations with people about life and pointing them back to you or just showing them what it means to love unconditionally, showing them how to forgive when we're hurt, showing them how to live as close to your will as we possibly can. I believe lives and our world will change because of that. And so, God, I pray for daring boldness right now for boldness. So God, your word says that in Acts, that they prayed for boldness and boldness came. And so God, I pray for boldness, that we would rise up and we would live a life that is according to your will and that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power that saves those who hear it. That we would live that kind of life. God, we believe, but help us with our unbelief. Stir in us a boldness and a faith like none other, 
that we would be in our word and we would be close to you every single day, just spending some time growing in you, Jesus. And I proclaim that we are going to see the hand of God move if we push towards his will. Jesus, we look forward to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.